and welcome to Cats Out of the Bag. I'm Kat Hennessy, and in this podcast, nothing is off limits. Hello, queens, and welcome back to another week of Cats Out of the Bag. Today, I have a absolutely fabulous guest with me. She is oh so very talented, has worked for some major Australian brands like Mecca, Frank Bod, Ultraviolet, and I'm going to chat to her all about her career journey, you know, beauty hacks, all the fun stuff. So, let's bloody bring on in Ash Davidson. <laughs> Hello, Angel. The pleasure is all mine. Yes, I'm so excited. I feel like we've been speaking about doing this for so long. I know, and I've been actively avoiding it as well, but today's today's the day, baby. Yeah, you're like, today's a better day. Um, Persistence is key from you, Kat. Fucking oh, if I'm persistent, you'll definitely (laughs) learn that for sure. Um, So I guess for like my listeners that don't know you, I guess, do you want to just like tell them a little little bit about yourself? Who are you? What you do? You know, just a little little overview. Overview, is that the right word? (laughs) A summary? (laughs) Yes, summary. There we go. Um, Like full disclosure, the moment someone says, tell me a bit about yourself, like I immediately forget who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Same, I'm like, I'm 28, I live on the Gold Coast and my name's Kat. It's like, (laughs) that means nothing. Honestly, um, but I'll give I'll give it a crack. Um, so I'm Ash. I grew up in Sydney, Melbourne-based now. Also, 28, year of 1994, baby. Oh no, I'm 93. Uh, oh, sorry, apologies. <laughs> <laughs> She's the old bitch in the room. Um, yes. So I'm the founder and director of a boutique social media marketing agency called Pash Social. Uh, My background is very much social media in the beauty and lifestyle space. Like you said, I suppose I've kind of cut my teeth at Mecca, Frank Body, and now work for incredible clients um, of my own, like Ultraviolet, who, Ava, you've actually had on the pod. Yeah, she's a legend. It comes full circle. Um, Honestly, that's about the only interesting things about me. I like dogs and I like wine and I like working and that's that on that. (laughs) And I'm trying to quit vaping. (laughs) And I'm trying to quit vaping. We're on day four, guys. So when this goes live, I mean, nobody check in on me because I dare say I would have relapsed by then. (laughs) But I've got got the emergency cigarette sitting outside. (laughs) Honestly, if you last until the episode comes out, which will be, I mean, it'll be... Not this Monday coming out, but the following. So that'll be the 18th of April. That'll be like a full two weeks if I make it that far. Uh, If you make it that far, I feel like we'll have to do a little like pod celebration. Oh, my God. One like equals one prayer. I swear to God. (laughs) Yeah, you just just stick at it. I I believe in you. I believe in you. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. I love it. So, um. What is something, I always ask my guests this, like what is something that no one knows about you? Um, Look, honestly, I don't think there's one thing that nobody knows about me. Like I really, I want so badly to be the mysterious girl with all of these salacious secrets, but I just cannot shut the fuck up. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, but I do have one thing that not many people know. Um just the select few, but it's juicy-ish. In my first year of uni, I had to go down to a country town in New South Wales. I studied journalism at uni. And 
the story was to interview the mayor of this country town. I'm not going to say what town it is in fear of defamation. I don't even know if he's still the mayor. I don't care to know. But he was a massive creep. Like I had to interview him and like creep city. Like I'm talking, I was 18. He was maybe 60. And after the interview, he emailed me and was like, I'd love to grab a coffee if like next time you're in Sydney, would love to take you out to dinner. I was like, what the fuck is this? But then I was like, hang on, no, this could be funny. And I'm all about a laugh. So I decided to accept his invitation. Stop. (laughs) Yeah. And I went and met him at some hotel lobby restaurant type vibe in Sydney for dinner. And um, then I wrote an article about it. But I suppose the key takeaway from this was I remember sitting at dinner and he was like, I have a history of dating younger women. I will gift you the best sex of your life. And you can just imagine my 18-year-old ears burning. I don't even basically know what good sex is at this point in my life. Literally. And here's this like 60 plus human creep telling me I'm going to give you the best sex of your life. And I was like, yuck. I did it for the lols. Oh no, you always got to do it for the story. But I feel like as well, like when you're 18, the last thing you possibly would want is some like wrinkly old dick going anywhere near your pussoir. Like honestly, and it was kind of, this was pre-sugar daddies being cool and in trend, right? Mm, <laughs> like, mm. I'm sure they existed, but no, it was all of my friends were like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Ash? What is, honestly, what is wrong with you? Why are you doing this? And I was like, hee hee, I'm in my hee hee era. This will be funny. And it was funny. So no regrets. No, but I feel like you've always, you've got to do things throughout your 20s and I guess your teens for your, for your <laughs> sake. Um, but I think you've got to do things that are a bit, you know, on the nose yeah. or something that you're going to laugh about when you're 28, yes. um, you know, so I feel like they're all the things you've got to do. And I have so many of those and I feel like that's what's going to get me through fucking my terrible two toddler when I'm like 35. Oh, my God. It's what you'll be hanging on to, just this I know. thread of like this thread of your old self, your old fun self. Fully, fully. But anyway, that's the only thing that I think not many people know about me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love that. That's so good. So, so you, I didn't know, actually know you studied journalism. So you I studied did. journalism. Regrettably. And, um, regrettably. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And did, was your like first job in the industry at Mecca? No. So my first job out of uni was at a little boutique copywriting social agency called The Word Collective in Melbourne. That's when I made the move down. Cool. And their major clients were L'Oreal. And so like my first job was doing social media, which back then was like the OG Instagram and then subsequently Snapchat for Maybelline. And so that's how I kind of found my way into the beauty industry. Like I never planned to go into beauty. I was always like, I'm going to be a fashion writer. I'm studying journalism to be a fashion writer. Like I was like, don't get me wrong, I was a little fuck as a teenager, but I was also like a cringeworthy overachiever. And so I like was like, okay, I'll do my journalism degree at uni and then simultaneously I'm going to do um, like a certificate in fashion business at a private fashion college and then I'm going to intern at a bunch of fashion mags and then I'm also going to work somewhere and so like, these were like all the things that I was like, I'm going to do all these things to make myself a fashion journalist. Just that, slight overachiever. I know. I know. It's so fucking cringeworthy. No, I love um, that. 
But then I, when I decided to move to Melbourne with my then partner slash ex-husband, yeah, yeah, well, um, that a little bit. We'll get there, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but when we moved down to Melbourne, this is just kind of the first job that I fell into, and it was, I suppose, kismet of sorts because I cannot picture being in anything other than kind of like beauty and lifestyle. It's where my passion lies, and I was able to kind of learn everything about social as social was becoming. A thing totally like it's well, so strange it wasn't because, like yeah. it was only like Instagram and stuff was only really just starting to tick off like to start when I was 18 mm-hmm. like it really there was still so small then and think about where it's at now like 10 years later I know it was all the Valencia filter back then that's all oh. we had to rely on Valencia, <laughs> I forgot that even existed and then you remember the those weird borders oh my god the border old <laughs> original Instagram. Oh, and do you know they've just brought out this feature? I think it was quite literally last week and you can now go back retrospectively and see the first Instagram post you liked commented on back in the day. Oh, my God. I haven't done it yet because I do not wish to endure that kind of torment. But do you know know that I used to think that, you know, how like if you want to tag someone in a post, you at them, Mm -hmm. like I'd go, at hey ashpash yeah well i used to think it was hashtag hey ashpash <laughs> so in all my really old photos i've replied <laughs> to people's comments going yeah like my my meal was really delicious hashtag hey ashpash like <laughs> so i i have to find some like photos of it and send it to you but in all my early posts i've just hashtagged the person's name to reply and it's like so embarrassing <laughs> I mean, maybe you were like the the initial, like you instigated all of these hashtags, like the initial hashtag queen. <laughs> Literally, I like fucking infiltrated it. Um, was I just found a list of some of the names? Here we go. Give it so, to me. oh, why is this not? Do you remember Walden was the was the black and white <laughs> hefe? Whatever. Oh, Hefe. Yes. Classic Hefe. Mayfair. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I was a Mayfair user. Sierra, Sutro. I don't know. I, what was a the niche. Person? There was what? one other one apart from Valencia that everybody else frothed. I'm literally Googling right now trying to find it. What was it? N- a pole. No. Nashville. It was Nashville. <laughs> It was Nashville. It wasn't. No, there was another one. What was it? It was it Nashville was like, I mean, look, I was a Nashville gal. That was a crowd favourite. Literally. um, Valencia Hudson. Sierra. Oh, I remember Hudson. God. Anyway, sorry. Sorry, people. Probably boring. Segway. Segway. Was it Segway? No, I'm saying this is a Segway. I was like, was it Segway? I don't remember that filter, but yes, yeah, you would know. Oh, fucking hell. We need to oh, move that's on. Funny. So so pretty much you so you started off at Maybelline, which was like back when people were doing stuff on like Snapchat and Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So it would have been so different. And then you moved to Melbourne and that's is that when you got your job at Mecca? Yeah, so the little boutique agency was my first job in Melbourne and then I was there for, I don't know, a year, a year and a half or what have you, and then I went over to Mecca. And that is, I suppose, 
social media had really begun to kick off. It was now established as, you know, very much a marketing platform in its own right. It wasn't just let's share photos of our fucking avo toast. Like I knew it say that or my eggs benedict. Yeah, with the Hudson filter. It was now okay, <laughs> brands are jumping on social media. This is you know no, it was yeah, very much becoming its own social like its own marketing platform and you could kind of sense that something was about to take off and you know Snapchat was all of the brands were beginning to get onto Snapchat. And I think so that's, I know. So, and like you think about it now and you're like, I would rather die than get on Snapchat. It's now Same. a platform for dick pics. Mm-hmm. But, or like cheating on your partner and like. Or drug dealers. Yeah, drug dealers. <laughs> People, they're drug dealers on Snapchat. I've heard about Alleged, it. Allegedly, I wouldn't know. But, I would not know either, but I've, I've yeah. heard it through the grapevine. I have but also. I, to be fair, I deleted Snapchat even when it was cool. I know because I was I was ahead of the trend, and I went, "This app's not going in. This is this app's yeah. dying, and I'm over it." Yeah, honestly, so. like when I started the Mecca Snapchat, it was called Mecca Snap or something fucking lame like that. Um, and we had it for a little while, and people loved it. But then you could, but then Instagram Stories happened. Oh, and so then iconic. Uh, iconic do you remember when they happened though and I was like no one's gonna use this like no one's gonna use it and it was like they'd stolen it from snapchat hadn't they oh a hundred percent it's like I mean all of these kind of features of each different platform they're interchangeable and like every single other platform will always come out with some sort of competitive version of that like IGTV Exactly. Reels is to compete with TikTok. IGTV first came out when I was still at Mecca and that was to compete with YouTube. And there's always this like inherent controversy about, oh, will it take off? Will it not? But like, who fucking knows? And like, Mm. that's what makes working in social media so great and also so equally terrifying Mm. is because yes, you can somewhat predict these trends based on what competing platforms have on offer, but you just truly never know. Like who knew that TikTok was going to control the social media landscape in 2021, 2022. Like I certainly didn't. Like it's I, I kind of regret not jumping more on it back when I – because I downloaded it like pretty early and I was like really enjoying it and then I just didn't use it for a year and I'm like could could I have been right? a professional TikTok dancer? Should have, would have, could have, babe. Should have, yeah, would have, yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, absolutely. It's same with like my podcast. Like I'm seeing yeah. all these like um pod TikToks pop up where people are like doing snippets of like really saucy stuff from their pods. And like I actually really enjoy those TikToks and they're getting a lot of views. So that's something I want to implement, but like fucking need to just a lot get, of work, yeah. Get my shit together, you know. But um yeah, I, I and, and even like it's so hard as well because I remember when like Instagram brought out the reels, they were like favoriting people who were posting reels in the algorithm sense of things. Like, yeah, even now, like TikTok, sorry, not TikTok, Instagram's doing this thing where like it puts reels to the top of my feed and just plays them on repeat loudly. So if mm-hmm. you don't refresh your feed, it just keeps playing and it's so fucking annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, but so many people love to bang on about the algorithm, right? And there's at the end of the day, yes, we can make tweaks to our social media strategy for brands, for creators, all of the above. 
but Instagram's going to do what Instagram wants to do and we are just the victims. <laughs> so nice. you've, you've just got to go with it, you know, like, and I say this to a lot of my clients all the time. I'm definitely jumping ahead of myself here, but, you know, you can have an extremely solid strategy, but if you're not reactive and you're not, you know, looking at what's happening in the social media landscape every single day and adapting to that, then you're fucked. It's, it's so true. It's, but, e- I mean, even I just feel like you even saying that just falls straight back on the TikTok thing. Like if you yeah. miss a TikTok trend or a filter or jump on it a little bit later than you should have, you just, you're not going to get that, you know, those videos, uh, the, sorry, the views. Everything so, trickles down as well, right? So all of, essentially all of the trending language of pop culture at the moment comes from TikTok. And this is no secret, but like, You'll even see brands, you know, they're copywriting, their captions. It all relates back to something, some kind of funny phrase or funny uh, trending soundtrack that is literally going viral on TikTok right now. And so if you don't have, you know, your social media coordinator or your junior creative or whatever, whoever it might be on TikTok and in tune with this pop culture moment, then all of your copywriting will be completely irrelevant and out of date. So mm-hmm. yeah. I agree. Take it's that or leave that. <laughs> no, it's so true. And it's, it's wild. It, it, you know, it comes down to like, for your average person, it's like, how much time are they going to have to spend on TikTok per day to like oh stay in the fucking now? Like there's just, it's changing so much, but I kind of love it. I kind of love it as well. <laughs> so I guess like, so you applied for your job at Mecca. So what was like your interview process there? It's definitely a lot. And working somewhere like Mecca, I mean, I always say this to anybody who asks, but when you put 200 plus women in a competitive, high-paced environment, of course, yeah, it it will always breed some element of toxicity. And that's like any workplace, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's, you know, it's important to be aware of that kind of aspect of it. But Mecca taught me my work ethic it taught me everything I needed to know for my future kind of plans. Like it just, it really solidified the foundational knowledge that I needed to take my career where I needed it to and gave me, yeah, it was like, it's not for everyone. And I can imagine it's like very simple swim at the end of the day. And I think that's a lot of like pretty high paced companies though. Like Mm -hmm. you're either going to fit in or you're not going to. Yeah, definitely. So um, what, what was your role there? So my roles, I, I suppose like my roles between, you know, working with L'Oreal Brands to then going on to Mecca to then going on to Frank Body were all somewhat the same. You know, I owned the social media channels. I was responsible for top line social strat, content creation, influencer marketing, but definitely Mecca was where I cut my teeth, I suppose. And it that was the basis for, you know, the relationships that I would continue to build in the years to come. What do you mean by where you cut your teeth? Uh, just like taught me everything that I know today, I okay, suppose. Cool, cool. And like built my work ethic, which isn't necessarily like super healthy, but again, got me where I am today. So I right. so probably grateful. taught you to work like hard and fast and yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, right. So how and how long were you at Mecca for? Oh, like nearly three years, I think. Yeah, right. I feel like it's so hard because I feel like how old would have you been when you were there? 
I have no concept of time. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> I suppose I moved to Melbourne when I was 21. I would have been at Mecca 22, 23, 24, maybe Frank when I was 25, 26. And then I think I started my business when I was maybe 26, 27, if that timeline makes sense to yeah. anybody. No, no, that makes sense. Um, yeah, because I feel like as well, like me even asking what like a day in the life of Mecca would look like for you, it would be so mm. different now. So I feel like I'll ask you more about a day in the life of what you do now because I just like I'll ask you that later. But I just feel like yep. social media and everything has changed so much in the past year, three years that your role there at Mecca, if you were still there, would probably be completely different right now. Yeah, definitely. So. For sure. So, yeah, so you were there for three years and then what made you make the jump to Frank Bod? Like how did that happen? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I kind of felt, and this is really, no, it's a very normal thing to feel in any role, that we kind of when you when you reach the end of like, okay, I've learned, like I learned so much there that I kind of just felt like, okay, to, for my next challenge, I most likely need to be somewhere else. Like I kind of just felt like the natural timeline was ending. And I'm also a really naturally, um, uh, I don't want to say like I get sick of things easily. There's, there's a word for this. Um, no, I just feel like you sometimes outgrow what you're doing. Like, yeah, yeah. If, if, you, if you don't feel like you're learning something new every day, then you, you want to be challenged in your role, you know? Yeah, I I like to be uncomfortable, I think, and yeah. because that's how I grow. And so I kind of just felt like I was super comfortable and I was ready for the next challenge. And then in the back of my mind as well, I think I also knew that eventually I would like to do my own thing. And so I wanted to kind of get experience going from – I kind of – I went from an agency to a retailer, the retailer being Mecca, and then to a brand, which obviously being Frank – and so I kind of felt like that would really round out my experience to Absolutely. then go forward and do my own thing. And they're two um, major brands in Australia and, and Maybelline as well. Like they're three, you know, pretty established companies. So Yeah, yeah. So. And I had already had a really good relationship with um, the co-founders of Frank Body, Jess and Brie, who I love, like so much love for them still to this day. And so I kind of had some rapport with them. They had a role and I kind of sussed it out and I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to do it. Um, the time was right. I felt good about it and so I did it. I feel like you were just such an asset to Frank. Like I feel like Frank really that, – that this guys, this is actually how Ash and I know each other. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. we're bearing the lead here. Yeah, so, we, so pretty much um, – Frank used to always send me um, like product and stuff. And when I got out of Bachelor in Paradise, lol, Frank was having an event up in Queensland where we like went to Hellenica for breakfast, which is a pretty popular like Greek restaurant um, for people who don't live in Queensland. And then we like went up the Sunshine Coast to the Australia Zoo for the day because they were doing a collaboration with um, Australia Zoo and on this new product launch. So that's actually how Ash and I met. Mm -hmm. And I've, I mean, there was one thing that fucking really stood out to me with you. And this is just like, Oh my God, what? <laughs> no, just in a way of like how fucking fabulous you are at your job. And 
I think that like a lot of people get complacent um, and a lot of people get comfortable and like I feel like there's a very like younger generation thing where where oh, girls yeah. aren't going to the nines to go above and beyond for their role. So this is like not the, the – if this isn't the Frank Bot event, this was a later event where I – was a bridesmaid for one of my girlfriends and I was organizing the face masks for, um, Oh for, my God. <laughs> yeah. You, you know exactly what I'm going to say. And I was, I know. yeah. And I was organizing face masks for the hens party and Ash, the fucking legend was, um, so great. And, um, was like, Oh yeah, we'll gift you some face masks. Like, and I was like, I'll get some photos, blah, blah, blah. So she sent me like all these different face masks, but there was an issue with Australia Post and they didn't arrive on time. So Ash got (laughs) on the phone to all of the meccas that- I was in Noosa at an event at this time as well. And I remember being mid-event. Like (laughs) I didn't didn't know that. I did not know that even just adds to it. (laughs) And Ash contacted different meccas to find out how much stock they had of the Frank Bod face masks to get one of the (laughs) girls who was coming to the hens to go to the Mecca and pick them up. And like you were doing this when you're at a fucking event and you like (laughs) sorted that out for an influencer at your job when you weren't even on the clock. Like that to me is like, that is someone who goes fucking above and beyond. And I think that just speaks to the reason why you're so successful in your career. Like that was like, <laughs> I've never had a brand look after me in my, anywhere in, even from now, like everything I've done in Instagram, I've never had anyone go that to that extent for me. Oh my God, stuff at my little cold heart is melting. No, like it was, <laughs> it was such a standout moment. I like think about that all the time. And like, not only is that just like talk to how good of a person you are, but like how passionate you are at your job to like do, you know, because your influencer relationships are so fucking important. And mm-hmm. the thing is, is like, you know, I, I obviously am at a stage where I charge money for posts, but because Ash and I have such a good relationship. If she's working for a brand, I will always do content and I would never I would never come to you and go, my fee is this amount because I want to help you and I want I you know, I love that you help me as well. So I think like they're the kind of the relationships you build and by doing that I think you're just gonna like continue to grow in your career. So I've just literally gone on like a tangent. <laughs> I like I'm like a bit oh, tipsy stop. from my wife. So I'm getting really nice. Stop it. Stop it. Um, Oh my God. No, you're such an angel. I think like, don't get me wrong. I'm definitely not trying to perpetuate burnout culture, which, you Mm -hmm. know. And I don't think that's burnout culture at all. Yeah. I think just like as millennials, it's really, really deeply ingrained in us. Quote, unquote, the girl boss, like this is kind of what we grew up with and what we entered the workforce hearing about this kind of thing, hence why we're all fucking burnt out. And I definitely do not want to encourage that. But at the end of the day, like my relationships are so important to me and they always have been throughout my career. And like, honestly, that's how I am where I am today is because relationships have always been paramount in every aspect of what I do. Like I now treat my clients like family and I won't take on a client if they don't, sounds really fucking lame, but like if they don't like energetically align with me, like I know in my, (laughs) like I know in my gut, if somebody is, if we're like on the same page and it's going to be a vibe and we're just here for vibes. No, we're not. 
we're here to get shit done. Yeah. But, but at the end of the day, like this is my work is my life. And so if somebody is not on the same page as me, I can't really work with them. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know, period. <laughs> no, I could not agree more. You, 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 I think like, sorry, I just fully, you, 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 um, <laughs> fully stuttering. But I think like the amount of people I know that aren't happy in their day to day and that's something I feel like I'm so grateful for is I do, I love what I do as well. And, you know, I, I'm fucking burn myself out all the time. Like I work full time buying for Princess Polly. I have mm-hmm. my brand, which I need to fucking sell because I literally don't have any time for it anymore. And I have the podcast. So it's like yeah. they're three fucking pretty full on things to do and yet all my other side gigs are a lot to do outside of my yes. full time job, which is pretty demanding. So honestly. I can't remember what my point was with that, but <laughs> but oh no, I do now. But if I didn't love what I did, yeah. It would it I, it would be so much harder, but because I love my job at Polly, the culture's amazing. I work with phenomenal women there, and I really enjoy my day to day. Like that is just such it's such a win for me going there every day. Whereas like you know my pod and stuff as well, they're just like additions that I also really enjoy. Anyway, yeah, that doesn't really make sense. But um, no, 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 I get you, I get you. Remember when the Kim Kardashian, you know. Get your fucking ass up and work. Oh, that no. was circulating. And it's I remember I saw a meme and it's like, what is she talking about? Every woman I know in business works their fucking ass off. Every woman I know has like they will have a full time job and they have like seventeen thousand side gigs plus a podcast plus a social media presence to uphold. Like, what are you talking about? Get your fucking ass up and work. We're all working ourselves to the ground. Fucking oath. <laughs> I know that was so bad. Like, sorry, Kim, not everyone comes from, like, millions and millions of dollars. Like, yeah, that definitely ruffled some feathers. Anyway, um, we can go back to your questions now. Like, we'll we'll finish our tangent. I knew we'd we'd do this anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so you went into your role at Frank Body. So I feel like you obviously you did all their social media there. Mm -hmm. So did you be the voice of, like, Hey, babe, it's Frankie. <laughs> like, was that you? No. Okay. So their tone of voice is as old as time. You know, that was essentially what catapulted their brand into the beauty space and made them as famous as they are today was their tone of voice. I, I know. Think- I was like, who's this creepy old man telling me to scrub myself with coffee? <laughs> I think like, to be honest, it hasn't aged super well and, you know, they've somewhat adapted that. But this was years and years and years ago. They were one of the first social media brands. You know what I mean? Like they honestly, I would say, pioneered that first person social media presence as a brand back in. Dude, they like, it was like it fully changed the game. Like you would be cool if you literally got in your shower naked and fucking rubbed coffee some coffee you. beans on you <laughs> holding the packet. Like it was like the fucking thing to do. I just, oh. Like, oh, I just really want some coffee scrub. Such simpler times. Can we get back to that? I know, <laughs> right? So, yeah, so you – so did you not do the that voice? I know obviously you didn't – create that voice because that was already there when you started but did you have to continue that presence throughout your role there um I mean yes and no I was brought on board at Frank to I suppose reinvigorate their social media strategy because what they'd done 
previously had worked for so long and then all of a sudden social media was changing and it wasn't working anymore. And so that's what I was brought on to do was to kind of revise the social strategy and then bring it into whatever year that was. God, I told you I have no concept of time. But, <laughs> and so I suppose just give it like a bit of a, a facelift, um, which I did. And I suppose also kind of work on their influencer strategy, which they'd been doing previously, but again, that needed a bit of revitalization. So totally. that's what totally. I was looking forward to do. And I feel like you also like in, in terms of like doing the influencer strategy and stuff, but I feel like you did quite a bit of PR for them. Yeah. So I, my background is not traditional PR. So when you think like press, media um, and all of that kind of fun stuff. That was Tessa who you met at the yeah. um, Australia Zoo event as well who loved legend. her, died for her. Absolute icon, legend moment. Um, so she was very much the traditional side of the PR and then I was more the influencer, organic social side of things and together we were the perfect little duo. <laughs> but, yeah, so I mean like I – yeah, my background is not traditional PR. I don't pretend to be an expert in it. That was very much her, uh, Frank. Cool. So you did, yeah, you did your socials and everything there. And then I guess like, you know, I feel like a lot of women out there are very interested in getting into social media and everything. So like what would you give as some tips to women who want to get into the industry fresh out of uni with no experience? Um, okay. Very good question. I think like this probably leads into the other question you're going to ask about, like how to write a resume for a social media job. So how to get started in the social media industry today, it's very different than, you know, 10 years ago when I did my time at uni, college, what have you. The number one thing I look at when I'm hiring for a new social role, like a junior position in particular, yes, your resume is important. I'll read it. But guess what? the first place I'm going to, it's your social media. It's your Instagram. It's your TikTok. I'm looking you up instantly. And so establishing your own social media presence, even in a personal manner, it doesn't. you don't have to be a fashion icon. You don't have to be, you know, doing beauty tutorials on TikTok, you don't have to do these things. Yes, it definitely helps. But just knowing that your personal social media presence is going to be the first thing that somebody looks at when they're hiring a role is so important. And if it doesn't make a good first impression, then you're not going to get an interview. So so you would you want someone's feed to be like, I mean, you don't, obviously you don't want some chick applying or some male, whatever, applying with just photos of their like dog and their fucking brunch. Like you want someone who's creating like cool aesthetic, aesthetically pleasing images and has a reasonably like curated grid. Yes. When I say like a curated grid, it doesn't have to be a Pinterest-esque masterpiece. It just has to show me that you know how to curate your grid creatively. It looks good. It tells me who you are. It's funny and it's personable. And that's it. You know, like I think like everything you've ever taught when it comes to social media jobs and careers, everything you were ever taught in regards to traditional resume writing, no, in the bin, bitch. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going straight to your Instagram, straight to your TikTok, and it doesn't have to be 
exactly like exactly a thing but like it has to tell me something about you it has to look good and it has to show me that you're going to be able to do the job that I'm hiring for agree I feel like as well like so my mum um, worked as like an ESL teacher so English is a second language and like one thing she'd focus on would be resumes to help people like move to Australia and everything and so she'd always help me with my resumes when I was younger and it was like literally so fucking basic on a word document and there were these yeah. weird little rules about it being one one page or two I know like all these weird rules and I I think even for my job at Polly I handed a very basic resume over but if I was to ha- go for a job now I would oh want to be like completely curated on Canva like fun co- trending colors cool images like yeah I think I think definitely showing your skills and what you can do is is a really good way to do it versus to stand out versus just like writing a few sentences about yourself. Yeah, I think like in short, when you're going for a role in social media or any kind of creative field, whether that be like a junior, I don't know, a junior creative, a junior buyer, a junior whatever it might be, it should be more of like a digital portfolio showcasing your creativity how you can write because copywriting is often a really important skill in social as well. And it just needs to catch my eye. It doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, and I also need to know that you're not illiterate. So absolutely. (laughs) No, that's so important. I'm so illiterate. And um, (laughs) no, honestly, one of my girlfriends has just started a PR company. So she's just taken over my management. um, And she is like, phenomenal like phenomenal at writing like just I'll be like hey babe can you like help me with this email because I sound so (laughs) like I literally have had to download like this app that like edits my fucking emails for me because I'm like (laughs) I mean know your strengths know your strengths right my strengths are not like not in writing and probably not very much in my vocab um because I always forget words. I, I feel like this podcast has really shone a light to my vocabulary being quite poor and needing to read more books because I say every saying wrong and I'll like forget words and shit. Like I'm like, oh my God, what is wrong with me? But I, I shine in other areas. I'm, I can you be shine quite, in so many other areas. I can areas. be quite funny and, um, <laughs> and I'm really good at fucking fashion. So... Yes, Maybe you I are. Yes, I don't show are. that on my profile that much, but I can fucking select it. And right. If there's anything I've learned, you've got to stay in your lane. You I know. know my weaknesses and I won't tell you them, but rest assured they're there. <laughs> yeah, but my, yeah, but like as, as though like you looking for someone who's not illiterate, like this new PR girl that I've, you know, got working, um, I'm one of her like new talents there. She's just like phenomenal with her writing and stuff. And I feel like that's something I really ne- needed. So she's been like reaching out to a lot of brands for me and like taking on that more. I think she's just going to be writing to brands in a better way than I ever would, if that makes sense. Yeah, but that's the thing, right? Like, you know, your strengths and then you fill the gaps that you need to fill with somebody who has those strengths. And that's, you know, how it all comes together. Fucking and that's what smart business women do. Yeah. <laughs> fucking oath why do you think I have an accountant like oh, because I'm financially illiterate oh, so <laughs> yeah numbers not my friend no Big no mine either I'll, they're the things that I avoid whereas you shouldn't be anyway no one cares about this um <laughs> <laughs> okay so another girl wrote in and said like how do I make a good first impression in a new marketing role she's just started in her first senior role and like wants to stand out like what what would be like 
some key tips to stand out in a role? Okay. Um, making a good impression. I really hate to say it, but it's fucking important. Like you need to work hard and assert yourself, but in a considered way. And that sounds like total bullshit, but I think when you worked at Mecca as long as I did, you realize that it's an art form. Like my best advice is to listen, ask questions and be in it like and go above and beyond make sure everybody knows your work ethic but don't be a fucking try hard either <laughs> no literally because that's lame Nothing <laughs> but that's what I mean like it literally makes no sense but you have to assert yourself in a really considered way so like make yourself known but know your place mm, I that, could not agree with that more no one wants like someone who's just going to sit there and have no opinion like if you've just no. been promoted into a new role you want to be in there and you want to be making changes for the better so that in three months time when all of those things go into effect you're going to be no- noticed for them so for sure yeah, yeah I think just you don't want to be the loudest person in the room but you do not want to be the quietest person in the room either God. you want to be the best dressed person in a room yeah <laughs> always yeah that's my issue is I'm always the loudest one in my room in the room at work like that's, <laughs> that's me you don't want to be the loudest and I always am and I feel like it sometimes like can put me back a little bit from being that way but you know I feel like I bring I bring the vibes I think you bring the vibes for sure I love it <laughs> but the other um, thing I would say in like a group meeting situation is that never assert your opinion when you don't have anything valuable valuable to say either like it's such a telltale sign when somebody is trying to say something for the sheer sake of it. If you don't have anything important to say, don't say it. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, because you look like an idiot. This is so rich coming from me because I truly cannot shut the fuck up ever. But I did my time. I was quiet for a while and I now I know when to No, but that's good. I feel like you've got to like, and, and this is probably you speaking from experience as well. It is. It truly is. So, and, you know, you've been at two major brands where you would have sat in countless meetings and seen how different people worked. Like I feel like working in a few different big companies is so, I feel like that would be my biggest piece of advice for anyone listening. Mm -hmm. If you're in your early Mm -hmm. 20s and you're starting off, like, I think it's, it's, it's very important to obviously have like a stable amount of time working somewhere. Like you don't want to be somewhere for six months or whatever. But I think that like the fact that I've had experience in my career at three different huge fashion places, like started off at City Beach, oh no, four, sorry, went overseas to an Bali to a company there, back to Dish, now at Poly. They're all so fucking different. So I think that's, you know, a, a very, very important thing to do in your career because you just, I just feel like you learn so much and you would have learned so much jump, making the jump from Mecca to, Frank Bod, Maybelline, and now even doing your own thing. Yeah, I completely agree. It's just knowing how to operate in an office environment is the greatest skill you can have. You can be incredible at social media. You can be the best, most, I don't know, innovative, creative person. But if you don't know how to operate within an office and within a team environment, oh, my God. I pray for you because (laughs) like if it's your goal to go and work for a brand, work in media, work for a publisher, work for, I don't know, a graphic design house, whatever it is, you need to know how to operate in an office and it's a skill. It's a learned skill. 
but it's a skill you need to have. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of having your own business, mm-hmm. let's talk about Pash Social. So yes. you've been doing this for what, like a year and a bit now, year and a half? Year and a half, year and a half, I would say. So still relatively fresh. So I think my first question would be like, that would have obviously been like a huge jump for you. Like you were in a, this is like the debate I have with myself all the time. Like you're in a, <laughs> you have a stable income, you're working mm-hmm. for a huge brand. How did you get the confidence to leave Frank Bod and start your own thing? Oh, how did I get the confidence? Um, because I believe in delusional manifestation. That's why. Um, <laughs> no, um, I'm naturally like quite a proactive person and I did have a fairly solid game plan don't get me wrong it was fucking terrifying I like willingly chose to leave my very stable full-time career mid-pandemic um so there was definitely a degree of risk like there's no doubt about it um but to be honest you're never going to feel a hundred percent ready to do something like that like never you're just not It's never going to be exactly the right time. You're never going to be in exactly the right mindset. So you just have to get your ducks in a row and hope for the best. When you get ducks in a row. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know why. (laughs) I'm like a big sayings person. I love a good saying. And I'm like a psychic, so I just knew it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you've just got to hope for the best. But you you need to have a strategy in place. You can't just like leap and hope that you land like... You know, I was fortunate in that I had really good relationships already established. I made sure that I had set everything up. I had clients ready to go. And also I had at the time, not anymore, um, a partner that if all, like if shit went south and worse came to worse, then I had like a a partner to fall back on financially as well. So that was helpful. And yeah, I suppose that's where I got the confidence. But it was fucking scary, mate. <laughs> totally. Did you like? Did you save up a certain amount of money? That, like, did you go, "Hey, I want to save X amount that if something goes wrong, I know that I'm like covered for two months." Mm, not really. No. no. Okay. I'm, I, I'm not the best saver. I'm not the best budgeter. I'll be the first person to admit that. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, <laughs> not really. But I did have, you know, three months worth of work lined up. Okay. And so Which that was, yeah. And so I did have contingencies. They just weren't like, I've saved X amount just in case I don't have a job for three months. You yeah. Know? So so you'd kind of pre-set up some clients so that you could kind of like leave and go straight into that. Yeah, correct. But I think it's important to keep in mind that my, the nature of my business, it's very low cost. Like I don't have any overheads. I'm literally sitting at my computer and my time is the service. And so there's no cost required from the get-go. Whereas if you're starting like a clothing business or a jewelry business, you obviously need to have cash to purchase your stock. Whereas when you work in social media, even as a freelancer or like a copywriter, graphic designer, you just need your laptop. And so I think that's really important to note when starting a business, the nature of my business allows for a very low cost environment. If that That's makes sense. So, so interesting and so, <laughs> so true, though, because it, I think people do forget like, if you need to start a business, like, what's your overhead going to be? 
where are you going to go? Like, you know, for, for starting a brand, it's like not mm-hmm. only do you have to buy your stock, but you have to do a photo mm-hmm. shoot. You have to mm-hmm. figure out where you're going to store your stock, design it, um, shipping. Yeah. Like there, there's so much shit that goes into it. So, yeah, yeah the fact that you don't have a whole heap of overheads is no. amazing. Yeah. So I think that, it, you know, it, it lowers the barrier to do something on your own because all I have to rely on is my laptop and my pea brain. So, you know, it's all good. <laughs> pea brain, your, your pumpkin brain. Yeah. So I guess like what I guess then like what would be like, I, I feel like you've kind of answered this, your tips for starting your own business. So it would be like mm. get your ducks in a row. Um, getting your ducks in a row for sure. Make sure you're doing the work prior to starting the business. You know, there are so many different steps. You have to get your accounting in line. You have to know, okay, do I need to be a sole trader? Do I need to register my business? Do I need to be a corporation? Like there's just – and when I started my business, all of these factors were just complete gibberish to me. I had no fucking idea what I was doing. And I really relied on, you know, fellow creatives who have gone freelance or – business owners who I knew and they were such a support network for me and they still are. And I'm sure you would be the same cat in that relying on these relationships is so important when you're going out, when you're going out on your own. But once you kind of have all that, you've registered your business name, you've got your website, you've done any kind of marketing collateral that you're going to need moving forward. The number one thing I would say, and the biggest tip is that, Don't do it unless you're somewhat disciplined and accountable. I think that's my biggest learning curve over the past year. Like I live alone. I work alone. Don't get me wrong. Like I have clients and contractors that I speak to all day, but essentially it's just me. And so like deadlines, responsibilities, that's on me. Like the buck stops with me and that's a blessing and a curse because it gives you flexibility and freedom. So it allows for a certain lifestyle but if you're not great at setting boundaries, which like myself, what's a fucking boundary? I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. But it can lead to some really unhealthy work habits. Like there's no one here to tell me, Ash, it's fucking midnight. Go to bed. Stop working. It's just me and my brain being like, mm, okay, so you need to reconcile invoices for the next two hours. Let's make a margarita. Yeah. <laughs> Fully. But, but then as well, yeah. like. You could go, hey, I'm going to sleep in tomorrow and go get brekkie with a girlfriend and I'm going to work till 9 p.m. tomorrow. Like Mm -hmm. I think that flexibility is fucking awesome. Or you could go, hey, I'm going to go down to Tasmania for the week and I'm going to work with my laptop there. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's a blessing and a curse. I feel really lucky to have this lifestyle. Like I can go for a 10 a.m. Pilates class if I want and I can go and get a facial at lunchtime and I can do all of these things but – knowing full well that I'm going to have to catch up and work till midnight the next night to make up for this. Like if you don't, if you're not good at setting boundaries, it's tough because there are no boundaries. (laughs) No, babe, this is my, my biggest struggle with my work. Like I literally, you're fucking preaching. Like I, (laughs) for so long I've wanted to have my, like I'm just speaking real talk to you to all yeah. everyone who's listening right now as well like I you know I was speaking to my 
boyfriend lol guys we're never we're never gonna get over this I was speaking to him the other night and I was like you know I'm just feeling like I'm going week to week right now with the pod and like I want to be at least a month ahead at a time purely because I always have issues where someone cancels or something happens or I'm like I want to be bringing you guys the best content ever but because I don't discipline myself enough I'm always like running so behind in everything I do in my life not just in work but in like fucking just literally everything so I think like that's something I'm really trying to work on as well as being more disciplined with myself and you know reaching out to guests further in advance and like you know for instance like normally this episode we're recording right now would be going live on Monday but I specifically made the effort to record another one this week so this can be the following week so that I can chill a bit when I go to Bali and, you know, not be frantic over there. So I think that's definitely definitely a really, really good piece of advice for sure. Yeah, it's, um, certainly, it's certainly not for everybody doing your own thing and yeah. I think it's really important to say. I think a lot of the time people say to me, it just looks like you go out for like fun lunches and dinners all the time on your social media and I'm like – Okay, but that's the that's the fucking thing with social media. Why am I going to upload a selfie of myself sitting at my desk because I do that all day every day? Like literally, you see the highs, you know. <laughs> totally, and it's it's just really important to keep in mind. Yeah. Okay. okay. So so I guess like so you obviously had your clients and stuff lined up before you left Frank, but like, what did you do to find clients? Like, how did you go about finding your first clients to do this? Um. So like I said kind of previously, I had a really solid foundation to draw from my time at Mecca, at Frank Body. And I I kind of, brands had always come to me prior to me actually going out on my own, kind of gauging my interest in going out on my own and would I consider managing their socials and what have you. And so I think one of the first clients that I had lined up was Ultraviolet, who my very good friend and client, Ava, and they're the best they are honestly the best people I've ever worked for I feel so blessed to work for for had to have ultraviolet as one of my clients and that's what I mean when I say I treat the vast majority of my clients like family they are like family to me I'll do anything for them and that's really important to me because I like my relationships with my clients being personal nine out of ten of them we can go for a catch-up have a whip catch up and get a wine or get a cocktail and honestly having those one-on-one relationships is why I I keep the agency quite boutique and quite personalized is because that's really important to me I don't like clients just be a number but at the end of the day that's also what sets my work apart from other agencies because brands don't want to be a number they want to be treated like humans you know it's even like ad agencies you pay for like Mm -hmm. I feel like I have Oh, spent so much money on SEOs and advertising. <laughs> this is like for people who have a brand and you, you spend all this money to do your Facebook ads, your Instagram ads, all yeah. that stuff. Like pretty much guys, like you hire a company or whatever to do this for you and you pay them a fee and then you also pay on top the ad spend fee. And I have had so many different companies sell me like the dream and there's a thing called ROI, which is a return of investment. So pretty much like your ROI is like 
what you spend versus how much money you were making on that. So mine used to sit at like 2%, which is like, jack shit like you want it to at least be sitting at what would, what would I mean speaking to you what would you say a good ROI would be I'm talking to the wrong bitch my specialty is organic social and influencers not paid advertising no but like <laughs> you'd know about that wouldn't you like yes but it's not my area of expertise so I don't care to comment on it <laughs> okay okay well I know a girlfriend who has a brand and she was getting like 15% return of investment on her paid socials and I know someone else who has 8% so like that's great because you're spending this money and you're making a hell of a lot more than what yeah. you spent whereas I always was spending the money and making like what like an additional 200 300 which at the end of the day when you're paying the agency fee it's not worth it and I feel like I had a point here but I can't remember but um, uh, oh, you don't want to be just a number for all yeah, yeah, okay. So agencies. I felt like I was always a number for people. They didn't give a shit about me. They wanted to look after the clients that were big, big brands spending a million dollars a month. Whereas I'm like, hello, I would like to spend $1,000 on advertisements this month. And they're just like this bitch and they don't spend any time strategizing or doing anything and it just it you don't get anywhere so yeah I think being more boutique and loving your clients is so amazing and and you've done stuff with Foreo as well yeah yeah so this is the thing with beauty as well everybody knows everybody and so I worked with Foreo for a little while um Foreo well Foreo like could I be an Australian <laughs> bogan no we love to see it um yeah. yep so like it's funny because like a lot of the clients that I have or have had are all like ex Mecca or have come from Frank and like everybody just goes in like a bit of a rotation. And so they're like, Oh, I know, I know a great social freelancer. Let's bring her on for two months to, you know, refine our social strategy and give her two cents. And so a lot of the time I'll just do like very short term projects where I go in, do an audit, tell them, you know, what they could be doing more of, less of, where I think the areas of improvement are. So, yeah, it's good. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, relationships are everything. Mm. Like, you can't be a cunt. You just can't. No, no. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? Am I allowed to say that? Sorry. <laughs> Don't worry. You can say whatever you want. It's cats Thanks. out of the bag. No, but it's so <laughs> true. You, 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 yeah, I think your relationships, which is goes back to what we were saying earlier, like they're yeah. so important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what would like a nine to five in your day look like now? Oh, God. Other than your 10, 10 a.m. Pilates class and um, 12 p.m. <laughs> facial. Okay. Um, I'm not a nine to five girl. I think with the nature of what I do, I'm essentially working all day, every day, unless I'm asleep or intoxicated. And even then sometimes. Um, most <laughs> I, I, I can fucking vouch for you being intoxicated doing it. Why? Well, I mean, you were at an event and you were organising me face masks, so I hope that you had a drink in your hand. Oh, my God, that was a daytime event, Kat. Don't worry. Don't stress. <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't care regardless. I'd probably be happier if you were, like, at least a little bit drunk and doing it. Unfortunately, at that time I was not. It was, like, <laughs> the afternoon and I was not. I wish. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, most days are relatively unremarkable. Like I said, like it's a lot of emails, a lot of meetings, it's admin, invoicing, planning. What I really enjoy is when I get to mix it up when my clients have shoots or events and it's a nice change because I 
when I can make it because I don't get to do do a lot of it these days and the creative aspect of my job is still my favorite it's what I kind of like what I loved at Mecca and at Frank was getting out there meeting you know creators influencers going to events running shoots capturing content and that these days I pretty much just sit at my desk with my dog so you know (laughs) so like a nine to five I don't know it doesn't really exist for me but this is the catch 20 catch 22 catch 22 I know actually know that saying (laughs) I was like catch 32 Um, no no, no, catch 22. 22 It's like the freedom and flexibility versus the needing discipline and setting boundaries. That's great though. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. Well. Yeah, that's fucking – and like what would like – so are you – when you're doing like socials and stuff, are you like scheduling and stuff for brands? Like are you there in the back end of Ultraviolet scheduling their posts for the next week or are you like doing content strategies? Uh, Ultraviolet is my only exception that I do this for just because I'm a perfectionist. Um, But, no, I have have some incredible contractors who do – a lot of my clients and they run the full service social strap. Yeah. No, nope, I'm going to do that again. That's incorrect. I have some incredible contractors who do the back end content creation, scheduling, copywriting, and they're amazing. I love them. Um, and I just do the top line strategy, but for ultraviolet, I do all of the things. Do you? Cool. I do. Yeah. Because they're my number one. And do you have like regular contractors you use? Yes. Yeah, I do. Um, so I have incredibly high standards when it comes to hiring. I'm sure that comes as no surprise. Um, Doesn't. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got some like some epic girls. I love them so much. They're the best. Um, and I would be lost without them. So I'm slowly but surely building upon my team in the process of hiring a full-timer at the moment and then I'll hopefully get another full-timer by the end of the year. So we're scaling up. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Phenomenal. And, like, I mean, I think, like, I think this is – I'm sorry I'm throwing this question on you, but, like, what – how what stage did you get to that you could justify hiring someone else? Like, how did you – because it's such a hard thing going, am I earning enough, like – Am I too busy? Like what mm-hmm. what stage did you go, hey, I can hire someone? Yeah, I suppose probably six months ago I was like, okay, I think I'm going to get a contractor and I begin to get them to do the content creation. Um, so I brought in my little angel, Bianca, to do a couple of clients and that just worked really well between us two. And so then I was like, okay, cool. costs a lot more for you, doesn't it? Um, I mean, yes and no, because at that time I was like, I need a contractor. I'm not ready to commit to a full-time salary. And this is when it gets tricky. And this is why I'm so grateful I have an accountant because once I had a couple of contractors, I was like, no, I have a significant wait list of clients that I can't take on myself or the contractors can't take on. I need a mini me that's going to help facilitate taking on new clients and then also helped me with just like random admin running a business shit. Um, To help you then get to the next level. Yes. And so that's when it's really important to have an accountant you trust that you can like go through your finances, be like, this is how much I'm making. 
can I afford a full-time human? And then if the answer is yes, then obviously you need to go through the motions of finding that full-time human, which I'm still doing. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. I'm just, I, at the moment, I'm so burnt out. I'm like a chaotic little gremlin and I can't take on any more, but I can't take on any less. And I'm so at this, I'm at this crossroads where unless I get another full-timer, I'm just stuck. And so that's kind of like the necessary next step to then scale up, grow the business, do all of the things, thrive, prosper. Have you advertised for it and everything? So I've got – so this is the process. Like I've got a good little pool because I just did a bit of a call out on my own personal Instagram. And this is when having a network is really important as well because people are going to send it to friends of friends and this is when like – you know, the little industry that we work in is amazing because everyone knows everyone. So, well, I can, I can do something on my Instagram and I feel, I do feel like a lot of women that have tuned into this episode are interested in marketing and social media and stuff. So gals, there you go. Yes. Are looking for a job. Free crush, baby. Yeah. (laughs) Ash is looking for someone. So, I mean, hit me up. Do you want, do you want At me? At the same time. <laughs> Don't. Do you want? No, no, no. Definitely. But also like if listening back to this episode makes you think I don't want Ash as a boss, don't hit me up. <laughs> hey, listening back to this episode, I think anyone would want you as a boss. You're a fucking lord. Well, why, don't, why don't I put your email address in here and if Let's do it. anyone wants to apply, they can send through their resume to you. I would love that. And you've already heard some tips. She's going to look at your fucking social media first. So get your fucking feed curated and get some sassy comments. So some, sorry, some captions. So yeah, I think I'll put it in the feed and like I'll, I can post it on my socials as well. But yeah, I think like that could be really beneficial. There you go. There's the gateway. Come work yeah. with me, little angels. We love it. <laughs> Um, so few questions on trends. What do you think the be- next big social media trend is? Oh, um, working in social media has never been more exciting and also never more stressful. I think like every time a new feature or platform is released, you can hear social media managers all over the world crying. Um, really? <laughs> you can't hurt a social media manager. We've already like been through enough. <laughs> Like, no. In regards to trends, I think, like, Instagram is in this, like, bizarre dichotomy between, like, like I said before, Pinterest-esque curation and also just being, like, completely unhinged but funny raw dog realness. Like, it's a really strange time in social media right now. I think think people are wanting the rawness, though. They want the raw dog realness. Mm, That's that's why Abby Chatfield's blown up so much. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because it, it's so endearing and it's so personal and uh, fucking funny. Like we all just want to laugh. We've got enough stress in the world. We just want to lol. Give us the lols, yeah. you know. And that's also another reason why TikTok has I just been catapulted into mainstream media is because people share their everyday relatable yet niche moments and it makes you feel less alone on the internet. I think is really important to note to TikTok success too. So I think for brands particularly and for creators by extension, it's about marrying those two elements of like, yes, we want 
to curate our digital billboard, but we want to be funny and we want to be relatable and not fucking lame. And that's something I love to do for my clients as well. It's about like marrying those two. I'm not really even answering your question, but what's next in social media? I think I reckon close friends is about to blow the fuck up. I mean, you've got to think about like influencers, like Flex Mommy, who has monetized her close friends. And she is, you know. Yeah. So it's a a fee to sign up to close friends and she gives – impeccable, stunning, curated reviews and insight into literally everything from restaurant reviews to like, tarot readings and it's just like Oh, my God, really maybe cute. I should do this. I mean, look, she's the guiding light. So Dude, I didn't I know reckon, that. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. put up some f- like I've put up some funny content in my close friends. Like I haven't like like – I put up like a funny, like, actually I should add you in it in my close friends, but like I put up. I am funny... in your close friends, cat. Oh, you are? <laughs> I literally oh, am in your close okay, friends. Okay, good. Did you see my blooper that I did for that promo the other day? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was doing like a voiceover for like a, a promo and I like, fuck, I like sounded so dumb in it and I posted it. <laughs> I, I don't, to be fair, I don't post to my close friends much, but I feel like I have so much content I could put in there. So I'm going to fucking pick your brain on this after. Um, I mean, don't pick my brain. I don't monetize my close friends. My friend, my close friends is literally screenshots of like unhinged DMs that I get from horny boys. Amazing. So. <laughs> As if you guys wouldn't want to see unhinged DMs or like weird fucking <laughs> Yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing. So, yeah, so sorry. Yeah. So you think Close Friends is going to blow up? Yeah, I think like in a similar vein of TikTok, that kind of unhinged, real, raw, funny moments, I think more brands are going to start to let users into their close friends. Like Fenty Beauty, for example, has a close friends of their community of creators, uh, influencers, you know, VIPs of the brand, and they – ask for, you know, product development related questions. Would you prefer to see this product next or this product next? Like brands are starting to do it. And I think more and more people are going to begin to not even, I mean, not necessarily monetize their close friends, but utilize their close friends and turn it into more of a close knit community. How did Flex Mummy even charge for a close friends? I think it's via like an external website, I guess. What the fuck? I, this is like so new to it's me. It's a Casey. thing. It's a thing. So you think, excuse me, um, I think the next you think one of the next big trends is going to be close friends. Is there anything else you think is going to blow up? Anything on Instagram that rivals TikTok is going to be a thing in the next like six to 12 months. I think like – Right now, social media is very much Instagram versus TikTok asserting their authority. I'm sure you would have seen that TikTok last week released their story-esque kind of function. So you can now choose to upload a TikTok to like the daily story or to your TikTok channel. So it's just, it's essentially going to be the channel. Can you send it to me? Yeah, I will. I will. I haven't, like, I don't know if it'll take off, to be honest. But you never know. You truly never know. And it's just about platforms one-upping each other right now. And you've just got to go with it. You've got to try something. If it fails, whatever, say yikes, move on, try the next thing. Do you think Instagram's dying? No, I don't. Okay, good. I I did at one point. So did I. But no, I don't reckon it is. 
I really don't. Okay, that's good then because I was very scared about that. Um, okay, so what do you think the next big beauty trend is then? Oof, I don't know. Nothing is really – everything that we see as a quote-unquote trend has been seen before. I mean, skinny eyebrows are now back. In- no, I will not have it. No, it's a hard no from me. It's a hard no. Did you I see those trim, pictures I shared? Trim my eyebrows. Dude, I have to trim my eyebrows. I, have the, I used to date a guy in high school and he goes, your eyebrows are so fucking thick. And I was like, so I literally got a razor and I shaved in the middle of my eyebrows. I plucked them so unevenly thin, like sluggy slugs they were still reasonably thick like I feel like most girls would still be trying to get those shaved eyebrows but I posted them on my stories recently like that when they said the thin eyebrow thing I was like this was me like I'm now I'm with you like keep the fucking thick brow all the way that's my keep them away from me all of my friends in school used to like I used to like come out of the ocean and like my eyebrows would be like people used to be like okay John Howard I'd be like no same Honestly, bitch, you wait in 10 years, you're go- who's going to be laughing then? I know. Yeah? No, but I, bra- I mean, I said the same thing with um, low-rise jeans oh and everything God. and that's already fucking, it's all happening. So pray for me if thin eyebrows are actually going to happen. I don't think they'll stay for long. I really don't. Yeah. I think like the next big beauty trend will be something that we've already seen, yeah. honestly. You know, okay. we're seeing like maximalist makeup again because of euphoria. Like everything yeah. comes in and out and, you know, take what you leave, take what you want, leave what you don't. Oh, it's it's the same with fashion. Like I'm now buying product that I bought at the start of my career when I was 19 that was a bestseller yeah. and I swore that I'd never go in. Like even like rara skirts are coming in again, like oh what I wore God. from Supray. Like that's like coming back in fashion which yeah. sounds terrifying. You're all probably going to be listening to me going, you're on fucking crack. But I promise you, maybe in the next year we're all going to have little cats out of the bag party and we're going to be in our little rara skirts and we're all going to be yes. using a margarita. Maybe margaritas won't be cool. Um, so. <laughs> no, you're, you're so right. Three-quarter capri pants are oh, coming back. Uh, parachute pants. <laughs> parachute pants. Oh, God. Okay. And what about like what would your top three beauty hacks be? Um, top three beauty hacks. Uh, when it comes to makeup, less is more, except when it comes to eyeshadow. I love like a natural dewy sheer coverage base with an OTT eye. Yeah. And then the hack part of it, get the under eye masks, even just from like the cheapy ones from the chemist when you're doing your eye makeup. This is not a new thing, but like just to get your, your eyeshadow perfect. Do the under eye masks, no fallout. Feels good when you take them off. Just do it. Really? Um, I haven't done that before. That's a great idea. It's great. Yes. I mean, regardless of whether you. And stuff after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So start with your eyes, put the under eye masks on. I feel like I'm doing this action, but nobody can actually see me doing this action. Everybody knows what I mean when I say under eye masks. Absolutely. Absolutely. You'd fucking hope so. If not, get the fuck off this podcast. <laughs> literally, literally, and go to fucking Mecca or a fucking Coles. <laughs> or and a chemist warehouse. Right. Yeah, or a chemist warehouse, fully. Um, um, okay, number two, this is somewhat, this isn't a hack either, but wear SPF every day and Kat can attest to this as well. Just do it. Buy ultraviolet. I won't elaborate. Just do it. 
No, like I've even spoken about um, like my love for ultraviolet when I did the podcast with Ava. But like even, for instance, today I woke up and I'm working from my boyfriend's house um, and I washed my face this morning and I put on like my, you know, serum and my oil and then I put on my sunscreen and I'm working inside all day and I've just gotten into this really good routine um, of just putting on sunscreen every day and I am I, I, I'm using the – what's the one with the yellow lid and it's blue? Supreme screen. So I'm using Supreme screen um, – because I've run out of queen screen, um, which I love both of them. But, like, I just – they also go on really well with your makeup. So I'm, like, using those every day. Actually, I hit up Ash the other day and being like, I'm going to Bali (laughs) next week. Like, could I please get some more sunscreen? Um, But, yeah, so that's just something I'm really trying to do because I think that's even, like, the biggest tip you'd get from your mum or anyone who's middle to getting into the older ages is they go wear sunscreen. And when mm-hmm. you're young, you're like, fuck off. Like, I'm going to fucking tan and look hot. And then when you're like 28, you're like, I've got a wrinkle and some pigmentation. Honestly. So, yep. Okay. We so spend, sun- yes, sunscreen. We spend however much we spend, hundreds, hundreds, thousands on Botox, filler, skin needling, laser, like your this shit isn't doing anything unless you're fucking wearing SPF. Ava's going to like pat me on the head for making sure I mention this. But fucking oath she will. It's true. Just believe me. Um, if you're not doing anything else, just fucking wear sunscreen. Yeah. Um, number three is, this is a personal favourite of mine, get a monthly gel manicure. Like having your nails done makes you feel so much more put together and in my humble opinion – no outfit is complete if your nails are shit. So, I sorry. I not agree. <laughs> Don't come for me. It's true. Just get your nails done. It doesn't have to be nail art. Just get a manicure. You'll feel better. You'll look better. Just do it. Do you know that Ash and I actually bond on social media <laughs> over nail porn? Like I'm like, love your nails, babe. I'll post one. She'll be like, these look cute. Like I, that is like the one thing I could not agree more with. My nails right now are so grown out. See, I'm just going to show you on the Zoom. And they're literally. No, no, no. Can you see that? They're not it's, good, but they're not bad. Yeah. It's literally giving me the heebie-jeebies. Like I look down at my nails right now and I, I feel physically ill. But like when <laughs> I get a fresh set of nails – I just look, I stare at my hands constantly and I just, I just feel so good. I think like I used to never get my nails done and now I'm with you every month I get fucking epic nail art, fresh set of acrylics. Well, not fresh, but like, you know, infill and it's the best thing ever. Honestly. And that's a, it's a really good tip for anyone who wants to get into content creation or social, particularly in beauty, because you're often holding products. And this is why I started getting manicures all those years ago. It's just, it's like, it elevates everything. We're not going to talk about it anymore. (laughs) Do you know that I'm literally such a dumb dumb. So I only started getting acrylics like a year and four months ago. So one of my – I was – well, my girlfriends, I was a bridesmaid at a wedding and um, everyone got acrylics. And I was like, how – I was like, I just don't think these tips are going to look good on me. Like my nails aren't long enough. I was like, how come everyone's looks so good? And the bride was like, we've all got acrylics on. I was like, what? Anyway, <laughs> so acrylics have now become my best friend. But my social media girl for Hennessy, my brand – she would always take these phenomenal hand ring photos 
and she'd have these long nails and I just didn't understand it. And it's because they're fucking acrylic. And I didn't, I thought acrylics were like weird stick on nails, but alas, they're fucking phenomenal. So there are many options, guys. You can do acrylics, you can do a gel on your natural nails, you can get a hard gel extension, you can get a soft gel extension. You want to talk about nails? You want to talk about nails? You want to shellac SNS? Just DM me. I'll tell you. <laughs> Literally DM me. Fucking oath. Yeah. Um, okay, I've got two more questions for you. So okay. what do you reckon is one underrated product that you just absolutely love? I feel like I'm not answering any of your questions in the way, shape, or form that you want, and I'm just making them my own. But this is not an exactly an underrated product, but it's an underrated version of a very well-known cult product. So Charlotte Tilbury's Pillow Talk, everybody knows about it. Everybody loves it. But what you need to know is if you have naturally dry lips, as I do, there is a version of the Charlotte Tilbury Pillow Talk that's the Hyaluronic Happy Kiss lipstick. And it's like a hydrating kind of shiny balm version of the original Pillow Talk lipstick, which is mattifying. And I know everyone loves the matte version, but this one is stunning and actually stays and it's better for dry lips and then if you get the matching liner the pillow talk it is like the best combination highly recommend it's what I wear every day that's the underrated product that I love can you link me them so I can post them in the Facebook group I definitely can (laughs) okay amazing and then last but not least my new little segment is what is your sex tip for the week this is like such a change of pace. We've been talking about beauty products. Um, I know. I know. We okay. have. For my sex tip of the week, I will now quote an icon, Trixie Mattel. Um, if you don't watch Drag Race, you should. And <laughs> the quote is, if a guy won't choke you, choke him. <laughs> <laughs> that's my <laughs> – okay, no, no, no. That is my tip. Of, that's my tip. I love it. But <laughs> – but no, no, my actual tip is as someone who literally just finalized their divorce as a 28-year-old, um, is my tip is to just have a lot of sex. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the only way to find out what you like. And once you find out what you like, you need to ask for it because that's hot. Fucking oath. I think like you're never gonna know enough about your body until you root a few people. I think we also need to do another episode about you you being divorced at 28. <laughs> I don't think anybody needs to know about that. I honestly. think everyone <laughs> wants to know about that, literally. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, babe. It's been so fucking good chatting with you and I cannot wait to release this episode. It's like we, I literally was like, hey, Ash, it's, we're probably going to record for like, I don't know, like 45 minutes. It's like an hour and a half, like just because we couldn't <laughs> fucking shut up. <laughs> but no, thank you so much and you've been amazing. My pleasure. I hope everyone doesn't want to kill themselves after listening to my voice for an hour and a half. But, you know, it is what it is. No, you're going to be getting a whole heap of resumes and a hell of a lot of love. So thank you so much, baby. And thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope you all have a fabulous week. Um, right now I'm definitely sipping a fucking cocktail in Bali. So let's fucking cheers to that. I love you, babies. Bye-bye. Cats Out of the Bag is proudly part of the Acast Creator Network. Special shout out to Rode Microphones for powering this episode.